Hi guys, welcome to a new edition of Queen's Court. We have got a very special guest joining very us this evening. Indeed. Would you like to introduce no, us? I'll let, I'll let you do that because you always do the introductions. Okay. <laughs> we are joined by former Chaos co-owner, Dave Mercy. Dave, Dave you, Dave Jonathan, Sir, we always <laughs> call him Sir. <laughs> <laughs> all the chaos fans call him I've sir got many names yeah <laughs> <laughs> we just so we come up with some of the repeatable ones <laughs> so how's Hello, lockdown guys, been you, you though day since uh since uh march uh groundhog day every day feels the same um because mm. i've been working uh throughout the whole whole period but uh working from home pretty much uh throughout the whole uh the whole time so yeah for, i don't know one of the lucky ones um because you know I've, I've not really been that affected so kind of dull and boring to be perfectly honest with you but it's um you know in terms of uh everything with with with, with my life it's probably been nice because it's been a nice break from react like from what my, my life ironically was like very chaotic um up until the point <laughs> we uh we sold chaos so uh i've really kind of just enjoyed um just doing my job and then being able to switch off in the evenings so it's actually been quite nice so yeah that side of stuff's been all right for me but the world's actually gone shit since you sold chaos you've uh, <laughs> we've had this global pandemic and then we've had speaking out that's just two things i can remember mm. uh, and uh, it's all since you so i'm blaming you for all this <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we yeah I, i've spoken to nick and rob about this a few times saying uh if we could pick we could have picked a better time to sell, I think, uh, in retrospect, <laughs> considering considering what was coming up. So um, not, not that we had any idea. We should have known because I think Bristol had one of the worst storms at about 10 or 20 oh, years or did, something yeah. the weekend. Of, yeah. So there was clearly something in the air when we were, we were when we were on the way out. But, um, yeah, I don't think we could have foreseen a, a worldwide pandemic. I'm not taking the uh, I'm not taking the heat for that one. <laughs> You weren't, you weren't getting messages from a lab in Wuhan or nothing then before you sold. Said so now. <laughs> no, not guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> or your Huawei phone or something like that, you know, telling you. Translated from Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Um, so what first got you into wrestling? Um, what first got me into wrestling um, was... So I'm trying to remember how old I am. So I think the first time I was aware of wrestling uh, was when WrestleMania 6 was happening, or at least when it came out on VHS. And back then, that could have been like nine nine months after it happened. Yeah. But I remember the double edition. It was double tape of uh, WrestleMania 6. And I was given that by one of my mates. And I, and I watched that. I remember watching that religiously and like worn it down until I had to give it back to him. So... Um, first match I ever watched was uh, Coco Beware versus Rick uh, Martel, mm-hmm. and thinking back, I mean, it was—it's probably now. If you, it, no, nobody would remember, remember that match now. It wasn't like it was a classic match, but it did such good scene setting because um, Rick cheated as soon as the match started. Um, Coco came out with Frankie in the big vibrant yeah. colours. It was clear who the heels and faces were, and straight away I was sort of sort of sitting down watching this, going, "Right, I get this. This is—I clearly know who the good and bad guys are." I, I'm, I'm fully on board with this, and this is around sort of that Hulkamania time, or to the tail end of that first Hulkamania sort of run. Um, and I just remember it was obviously before the Attitude Era boom, but there was definitely a, a early '90s, late '80s boom period, which wasn't as big in the UK, but it was big enough that if you were sort of anywhere between the ages of sort of six and ten, you you knew about wrestling because of Hulk Hogan. So. Um, I was hooked from the very, very first match. Um, and as soon as that happened, I wanted to 
get my hands on whatever I could. So I used to rent um, any VHS tape I could get of any pay-per-view I would get. Um, when we got Sky and I could finally watch Raw um, and those early editions of Raw back when it was in um, the Manhattan Center. And I would I I would stay up way past my bedtime, um, go downstairs, um, get in a lot of trouble um, just so I could keep up to date with uh, what was happening on, on Raw each week. So I remember the lead up, the first time, first WrestleMania I actually got to watch properly was the uh, lead up to WrestleMania 9. But in retrospect, that was probably one of the worst WrestleManias in, uh, <laughs> of all time. So by the time I really got into it, we kind of hit the uh, the first real sort of down period. <laughs> but that's, that's really my childhood, remembering sort of WrestleMania 9 and watching... Frankly, looking back, some fairly rotten wrestling, but I was attracted to the characters. I was yeah. attracted to the storylines. I had no idea what a five-star match was. All I knew is that whatever I was watching, so, you know, Bret Hart being the champion and losing the Yokozuna, but then Hogan winning that belt that night at WrestleMania 9, I thought was great. Yeah. Looking back now and know the politics of it, not so much. But at the time, it was amazing. It's You know, it's it was the whole pageantry and the larger-than-life characters that, that brought me in, which I think bring in... A lot of young fans when they start watching it because they're not watch they don't know what what good and bad matches are they just know what the characters are or or yeah. they'll remember certain certain um, moments or actions that, that that bring you into things so that that's a long winded way, way long winded way of me saying it's because a mate lent me a tape that's what got yeah. me into wrestling <laughs> no fair enough I mean. I think wrestling is better if you don't know the politics of stuff and, and, and all that, you know, if, when you're innocent, basically. And and I think I think Twitter these days, it was enough of it, didn't it? You know, and all the uh, social media. Yeah, uh, but I mean, that's not that's not just with wrestling. I think that's with everything, like with the movie industry now. If mm-hmm. you look at um, finding out who signed on to be to do such and such a film or, or what happened with this director and then that casting's been replaced for this film, and all, you'd never hear about that like when... When I was growing up, all you just knew is that, oh, there's an action film out. Great, I'm going to go watch an action film yeah. and just take it on face value. You don't think about all the layers behind it. And it's it's a byproduct of becoming obsessed with something. Because when you become obsessed with something, of whatever that art medium is, or whatever it is you want to watch, you want to find out everything about it. And we're in an information age now when it's really easy to do that. Um, which has got, you know, positives and negatives. And, you know, I try to generally be a more positive person when it comes to to most of these things with wrestling and you know there's things I don't enjoy in wrestling so I just choose not to watch it Hmm. or not comment on it and just try to focus on the stuff I do really enjoy yeah um you know AEW had a fantastic episode of television last night I thought it was brilliant um you know everything that happened now I'm not going to give any spoilers in case anybody hasn't watched it yet this will be going out for another week or so yeah so you're all right fine fine that's fine but you know that's the you know I try to focus on right what is it I enjoy um and that's out, you know within wrestling or outside of wrestling and you know it's easy for me to say it, but if more people focused on that and then just ignored the stuff they hated i think the world would be a better place but i don't think we're going to be able to change that world on, on this podcast today no 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 so so what 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 made the transition for you from from actually just watching wrestling to actually wanting to be a wrestler and where did you start training and all that uh, I think I wanted to be a wrestler after I watched that first match with mm. uh, Coco Beware and uh, Rick Martel. Um, uh, but I think it would have been, what, probably 98, 99 when I first started getting involved in training. Mm. Um, so this was right on the cusp of that that, that big Attitude Era boom. Yeah. And it was through friends of friends. So a um, really good mate of mine um, had a mate who was a referee. 
um, who's called the Pox, who used to um, referee for CSF Wrestling, um, as I'm sure you guys know CSF. And they had a couple of wrestlers that lived around my way, and they happened to be Gideon and Jekyll. Um, So um, Jekyll, Rob, actually, for a very long time, just lived on the same street as me. Um, And so did Alex Steele. So at one point, like there was three of us that lived within 100 meters of each other. and I got told via by Pox that these guys were running a training school. Um, and really what I mean by training school is it wasn't in the same way it is it is now where people are running schools that are much more professionally run than this was. Not to say it wasn't being done professionally, but it was a different time, I think is the best way to say it. So it wasn't being advertised as a school. It was just a place where wrestlers such as Gideon and Jekyll could get some mats and roll around really and just try to try things out we didn't have a ring Mm. so I showed up and got stretched six ways from Sunday um, by the pair of them and um, kept coming back because I was addicted to it hurt like hell but Mm. they they showed me the basics or everything you can learn without being in a ring Um, and I actually got them to my first show without having steps in a wrestling ring um, which was crazy really thinking mm-hmm. back um the you know the access to get involved with schools now is so much easier the, the problem is there's a lot more trainees so it's harder to get on shows so it's that catch 22 we had less shows but less trainees back then um so after about a year and a half of working um with with nick and robert training who were still doing shows for csf um uh Stuart Nat at the time wanted jekyll to have um like a a, a group of cohorts with him um, so he was at the time known as Jake Jekyll and he had face paint. So he, they wanted to have, um, a couple of, uh, goths basically to, um, to, to be like a little stable for, for him. Effectively the guys that would take hideous bumps for, you know, on his behalf. <laughs> um, so that's, that is effectively what happened. So my debut was, um, it was Gideon versus Jekyll. I think it was, um, I'll probably get that wrong and they'll correct me. I'm sure. Um, and myself, uh, Alex Steele, and another gentleman called JJ Moore, who doesn't wrestle anymore, all came out as um, as, as goths. We got the tar beaten out of us, and then got like brought to the back. That was my introduction to wrestling, um, and from that point, I just sort of stuck around. I just um, did whatever I could to help Stuart and anything with CSF. Just frankly, because I a I love wrestling, and b I knew it would help get me a spot, and it did, and it kind of just sort of grew from there. So. Um, it's not it, there's there's i can i can't see any situation where anybody in today's society in wrestling would be able to get into a, a a show that way luckily now nowadays the the schools the the training the expectations of a student from wrestling are, f- are far higher than they were in sort of the early 2000s because british wrestling looked completely different to the way it does right now yeah because because we know of, of well we've been to like dragon pro and reach wrestling and they've got both have got really good uh, training schools uh, I mean, Dragon Pro is probably obviously closer to you. So, yeah, what do you I think mean, of them? You know, I, I mean, I've got good relationships with both with all with all the guys. I mean, I'd, I'd say that the Dragon Pro school for for my money is one of the best, if not the best, wrestling school in the country. Mm. Um, and that's purely based on if you look at the 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 talent that's produced. Um, you anybody that's listening to this that wants to consider a school should base that on who's doing the training and and who's come out of that school and when you look at dragon pro and you look at mark andrews you look at 
uh, Flash Morgan Webster, obviously, while Ball does the training. You look at some of the recent guys that are starting to get out there. So you've got your Danny Joneses, your Brendan Whites, and um, Los Federales. There's, there's been so many, I mean, and, and, you know, I could probably list off, if I really thought about it, 30 people mm. um, that the Dragon Pro produced, plus the fact that they're, and I have this conversation with, with Bohr quite quite often is that, you know, for a very long time, he still considered the shows he was doing trainee shows. And I was like, mate, they're not trainee shows anymore. Like you're, you're, you're getting over three to 400 people in a really nice looking venue. Oh, it's and fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so jealous of that venue. I'm so <laughs> jealous. I, I remember that. when I came to the first one, I looked around going, why haven't we got something like this in Bristol? This is amazing. <laughs> um, and um the uh, yeah the the quality of the, the fact that ninety percent of that roster have all been trainees th- directly through that school mm. and that speaks volumes for the way that that training works. Um, I speak to to Grayson Loads. Um, I will confess I haven't been down to to reach and that's one of the things that I was looking forward to about when I stopped running with Chaos. I can actually go out and watch shows again because I can't remember the last time I went to a show because you. Spend... I remember I remember us talking about it and uh, you said oh bank holiday weekend show if I remember rightly and you were thinking about coming yeah. down for the bank holiday weekend. No, exactly. Because the thing is, it's it's like um, I don't. I'm going to use the word mental, and I don't mean to do it this way. Um, but Grayson, I, I, I've had a relationship with Grayson where, like, he's always asking me questions about what we did with chaos when we were starting up, and and I must admit, I didn't really know Grayson before he started talking to me. But we've sort of developed a relationship now where, I mean, it's more of an online relationship. I've seen him a few times, but um, I can see when I talk to him. His passion and everything he's doing down there, down there really reminds me of, of the way that we went and the way that we are well, did go. And I can see what he's done. And I'm so pleased that he's managed to get that Unix. It's worked out really well for him now that he's been able to continue doing the shows online. And because he's developed that school, um, he's got all that talent locally ready to go. So whether it's planned or not makes no difference, but he's been able to work on, he's one of the few companies in the uk right now that's actually been able to put out viable shows and it's one of the things about the whole southwest scene where i don't feel like we get a lot of credit in our little pocket of of the uk um because we're not that built up an area and we're difficult for other parts of the uk to get to but i know we've got really good talent around here i know that we've got really good shows and know that guys like you know that they're really good shows so it's always one of those we're like a really badly kept secret as far as i see it where everyone down here knows about it but if you go anywhere outside of our area that hasn't isn't aware of a southwest scene they won't know necessarily chaos or dragon pro or reach but it blows my mind when i compare those shows to some of the other shows that do get buzz in other places based on their location perhaps more than the quality of their shows get more buzz than we do but it's a constant bugbear of mine I've, I've, i often feel like a lot of people around our way don't get the credit they deserve no, i think you i think you're spot on there uh, i think i think now the southwest wrestlers before the pandemic they were starting to break out you ready ryan your dick riley's you know like you say your danny joneses yeah yeah you know, i mean all three of them are great yeah, I mean, you know, Dick, Dick Riley is normally top of my list whenever I speak to any promoter that ever said, if you recommend me any talent and before mm. they finish that sentence, I'm like, Dick Riley. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I love that guy anyway. Um, he's, you know, when I stopped wrestling, you, and I kind of knew this was going to happen, but there's there's people you speak to on a regular basis because there's a employee-employer relationship there, and I understand that. Dick's one of the few guys that I've kept that relationship with, regardless of, 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 of the wrestling, so... Um, I'm still tight with him. Um, we're already arranged, we're, we're going abroad together next year. So, I'm, I'm, you know, he's one of the guys that really does, he deserves all the success in the world because Absolutely. the guy, do, he doesn't know how to have bad matches. 
Um, and he's got that charisma factor. That's the thing. Like we we booked him to lose for a year, and he he was voted our wrestler of the year. You know that 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 isn't normal, but that's what happened because that's the that's the quality of the output he can give. So yeah, no, absolutely. We've got really good talent around it, and really good promotions that I've often felt need need more exposure than they get at the moment. So when when um, the walkout happened, and, uh, oh, I forget where it was now. That's uh, and we all walked out. Oh, we, Hannah, we were, yeah, yeah. Did you, Hannah, that's it. Did you expect uh, as many people to walk out as they did, or were you a bit worried it might not happen? Or um, yeah, I was worried. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the. I, I I had this idea in my head for ages about the visual of how all this could look, and I really wanted it to happen. I mean, the way it happened couldn't have gone any better. No, it really couldn't. But when we when we think about our booking, we we sort of planned it. We we sketched out. You know, this is the point where we know Dick's going to lose his job, but we knew that he was still going to come back and be around. So we needed to get to a point where there was almost a fever pitch where he came back two or three times by after he got fired. Because mm. we basically said to him, look, we want you to be Austin for a bit. We want you to be, um, we want you to be coming out from the crowd, get the crowd, like the crowd were already on his side anyway. But we want it to be to the point where luckily Eddie, Eddie Dennis is a fantastic heel. I mean, he's, he's one of the best talkers in the UK. So it's easy to hate. So, <laughs> you know, when, when you, when you break it down, you say, right, we're going to take one of the most over faces we've got. And then you take one of the most over heels and that face is going to ask, ask the crowd to do something to piss off the heel. It was probably going to work, but we didn't have a plan B. So I'm really pleased that that worked out because the visual of it was great. I've, I've, and it's something I haven't seen done a, another show before. And like, so and that really speaks volumes for the way that I always felt. I mean, it's, I'm going to say this anyway because because chaos was obviously very personal to me. But it felt different to me to any other show that I was involved with because it didn't feel like we were performing to you guys. It felt like we were performing with you. Mm. And when we gave you guys, and we've done other things like this before, but when we give the audience a, a chance to perform with us and, and, and come along for that, hopefully then you're more invested with whatever story or whatever angle or whatever thing we were trying to do. And um, that I think was just a, a great example of, you know, we, we took a gamble with that, but it, it, it paid off and it's one of my favorite memories. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, it yeah. is one of mine as well. And, and what sticks in my mind, you said about Eddie Dennis, was when he's there shouting at the crowd, said, what are you doing leaving? You're wearing my T-shirt, sit down. <laughs> he's brilliant, though, wouldn't he, when he's on the mic? Uh, yeah, I think um, he really enjoyed that last run because he um, he knows he's got a lot of freedom yeah. um, with, with us because, you know, we don't we don't script promos. We don't tell people what to say or what to do. We trust the people that we give those opportunities to. And we know that people will be more comfortable, will come across more natural if they're saying the words that they want to say. And... Also, I'm not a good writer. So I know that if I'm dealing with people, uh, we're always in the basis of, you know, I wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world. Um, so why would I tell people how to wrestle? I wasn't the greatest promo in the world. So why would I tell someone how to do a promo? I'm going to get people that were much better at doing the things that I wasn't good at and say, you know, that thing you're really good at. Can you go out and do that for me, please? Cheers. Yeah. And that's and, and you just give them broad strokes to say, right, this is, this is the direction we need to go. And then you collaborate with them. So a lot of the ideas that we would get wouldn't just be us telling somebody, this is what you're doing tonight. Um, it would be more around us saying, right, this is not just what you're doing tonight, but this is what you're doing in six months. What do you think? And they would then say how we, we would say, this is the pitch. And then they come back with, what if we do this and we could change this and do that. 
And by the time you get to that point, it's no longer our idea. It's everyone's idea. But I know from a talent perspective, because I've been on the other side of that, that you're much more invested in whatever it is you're doing. Because the amount of times I've rocked up to a show to say, what am I doing tonight? Rest in that guy 20 minutes, no story, go in. Fine, okay, if that's what you want, that's fine. I'll go out and I'll wrestle that match to the best of my ability, but you're not going to get that that extra 5%. You're not going to get that reinvestment because I know that I'm just there for that night. I'm just there to do that one thing for that night. Mm. Most of the guys on our show that we booked on a regular basis knew that whatever they were doing that night was not the beginning or the end of what it was they were doing. They knew what they were going to yeah, and that's the way that we like booking. So it it was cyclical. It worked on loads of different directions as a result, and it was kind of just the, the perfect blend of chaos when it all happened. Well, was, it wasn't part of the plan. It just kind of that's yeah. the way things ended up. And that was one of my favourite shows. I think Dave that was. And uh, can you answer answer a quick urban myth? Did you well, or the cap? Did you or the council get complaints about eighty people outside or hundred people chanting, chan- "We want Dick"? Um, no, we didn't actually. Oh, yeah, right. uh, I, no, I'm afraid not. Um, <laughs> um, I must admit, like, Hannam is a wonderful venue. Like, they've yeah. been so good to us. Like, it's... Um, that, that was the second venue we ever booked, and, and, like, we ended up using it less and less purely on the basis of we filled it too quickly. Mm. And we kind of had that... You know, the, there's been more than one time we've run that and not made any money. We've just broke even on the show just because we know what that venue's like. So some of our biggest moments have probably happened in Hannam, like uh, when Flash Morgan Webster came back after a year off, like that happened in Hannam and that was electric. When when Bino beat um, Haskins in an Ironman match, that happened in Hannam. Um, obviously that walkout and then the the I, 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 that that show with the walkout was probably the the most closest night we've done, which was kind of the way that I I kind of felt like Raw used to be. Like yeah. in terms of you had a big angle at the start of the night, you knew you were building up to a to a big match then at the end of the night that you didn't know was going to happen at the start because Dick Riley might get his job back. <laughs> and then at the end of that, then Mike Berg comes out with the briefcase. So it's that and then sets the main event yeah. for a big show. You know, that yeah. so that the only thing that was missing was people pointing at the sign. You know, that was the you know, that was the the that that whole night was kind of that was and, and obviously there's other things that happened that night as well, but that wasn't was that when really, Christie came back as well? Uh, yes, you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, how did I forget that? that? Yeah, that exactly. got a big cheer, didn't it? Eh? Yeah, when, uh, exactly. when James Drake got thrown through the door, then all of a sudden yeah. he got thrown back out. It was Grizzly that threw him out. The Colton moment, uh, sorry, not the <laughs> Jazzy Jeff moment from uh, Fresh Prince. That's what yeah. it was. It was like a uh, big Phil throwing um, Jazzy Jeff back out. That's exactly the visual we wanted. Yeah. So if you watch it on camera, I actually told the cameraman, This is the exact shot. I don't, I don't normally do this for cameraman, but I said, This is happening. That's the exact shot I want. The side pit from the door and somebody just coming out going, ah! <laughs> you know, That's a, very, very important. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I forgot about that. So like we started hot, we finished even hotter. And by the end of that night, people had a reason to hopefully want to spend money with us on our big show that year. Um, and that to me was the best example of one of those shows we did. Yeah. Cause you had an amazing match. Was it Danny Luna against Chats? Oh, was that the, uh, the crazy one where they just beat Three the, the chairs, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and this is the kind of thing where going back to what I was saying earlier, we, we never asked them. We, we, we never ask people to go out and, um, try to hurt yourselves or each other. That's obviously not our aim. But not that there's a sort of top that man, top that mentality with the way that chaos was. But everybody wanted to get the absolute maximum out of the crowd, so they would go out and they would 
do things there that they they might not do in other companies again because they know where these stories are going and you know i'm so so pleased to see danny luna get signed i mean she's she's another one who um she was resting for a while but then got seasoned if you will through drag dragon pro and between the point she started at dragon pro to the point she got signed i think it was only like 18 months or something it was a crazy short period of time yeah and yeah she's obviously great as well oh yeah i mean she's so strong as well isn't she yeah oh god yeah 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 no absolutely Probably one of the strongest women um, I've yeah, seen she, and that's, yeah and that's yeah and that's and she doesn't the thing i like about danny is she doesn't look uh, look like you're i say she doesn't look like a normal british women's wrestler if you know mm. what i mean in terms of she's a bit stockier she's got i always say she's almost like female pete dunn in terms of she's got that sort yeah, of yeah. stance about her if you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um I'm, I'm trying to put this in the best way so i don't sound like i'm disregarding anyone else but i like different I like having, I like doing different things with different people with chaos than you would do with other people in different yeah. places. So, and we, you know, like uh, Flash's original heel ran. He wasn't heel anywhere else at that point. Mm-hmm. When we brought Bore in, we used him as a face. Nobody at that point was using him as a face anywhere. It was one of those where, okay, we know they're in the scene, we know they're around our area, but let's do something different with them. So at least if they come and see the performance at our show, they know they're going to see a different version of them that mm. hopefully they're not going to see anywhere else. Yeah. So that was kind of the the approach that we tried to take. Because my first my first uh, chaos show was the Made in a Chaos show at Hallam as well. And uh, that was something that hadn't been done for a long time, or I'd not seen in the Southwest before. And it was amazing. Brilliant. Great. Sorry, you broke up a bit there, so I didn't hear the first part of the question. Oh, Sorry. My Yeah, my first chaos show was the Maiden of... Made in a Chaos show, uh, the double show, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. Oh, wow. Oh, that, yeah. was, that, was, that was your that first one. The okay. before, no, no, it hadn't. Um, I mean, that was, um, I mean, Nick and Rob hated me for that because I always wanted to do double shows and yeah. I always wanted to do a tournament. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we we ended up, at, I mean, because you can do a double show, you end up with a bigger budget. So, you know, without wishing to go into the details of the business, but obviously, if you can use one venue and you've only got one ring higher cost, you can do other things with the show then as a result. And um, that's how we ended up with a 200-seater that had some of the best women wrestlers in the UK, plus Keith Lee, plus Pete Dunne on a show in front of 200 people. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, a, that was a hell of a show. That was. Oh, uh, that, yeah. was it Keith yeah. Lee against Big Grizzly as well, wasn't it? That was, that was one of it the matches. It was, yeah. That was probably one of the yeah, best heavyweight that... match I've ever seen, Dave. I think I've said that before, and uh, fantastic. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think it was one of those sort of situations where Keith Lee had an indie name, but not necessarily everybody on that night knew who Keith Lee was going mm. in. Definitely knew who he was oh, going out yeah. <laughs> um, because, yeah. yeah, that that obviously he's done okay for himself since then. He's uh, yeah, he's not done too bad. Landed think, on his feet. I think being at Chaos was the peak of his career, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, now yeah. he's just on so, the wind down. It's all downhill now, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, Absolutely. that was a fantastic show all around, wasn't it? To be fair. So, what was it that made yeah. you want to become a promoter, going from wrestling to actually putting on your own shows? Um, partly frustration, um, because <laughs> I was working for a lot of those sort of companies where you show up, you do your match, you leave, and. I'm a creative person. I like to get more than I always push more on everything. I'm I'm terrible for that. But I was always trying to push these promoters when I was doing this doing these matches. Say, yeah, but could I could we do this? Could we do this? Could we try to build this in or do, you know, get an angle going or give give people a reason to come back? And and that wasn't what those companies I was working for wanted to do. And I was like, okay, that's 
that's fine. And I think after me, me, Nick and Rob were, we spent time in cars. We went to a lot of the same shows and we would have the same conversations when we were driving back going, it was good, but imagine if they had done this or it was, you know, or, or why didn't they think about doing this? And why, why are we only running this venue this many times when we, we've got all these other local ones? Because we, we were working, I mean, I'll just say it, it, was, it was when I was working for CSF where what Natty would do is he, he would run Melksham, run um, uh, Thatcham and like one other venue. And like he, but they were so spread apart, or Western. So it was all down the at that M4 corridor. But they were so spread apart that there was no reason, like realistically, you're talking about a 70, 75 mile radius. So the chances of somebody traveling to those shows is slim. So I understand why you didn't want to do angles. And I, and I get that. But we were always trying to think, well, if you're in Western, you could do Melksham or you could do like a little like area that you try to run where people can travel between those shows. There's, you can still promote the towns in, those, in their own right. But then by doing that, you can build up a community. You can build up a, 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 a larger fan base and hopefully if you put a product out people want they'll they'll come to all the shows but if they don't if they're if they're their own right mm. um and he wasn't interested in that um uh, and that's fine and, you know the, the, he draws really well his shows are very professional that's that's no slight on him it's just a different way of, of doing wrestling and after moaning in the cars for for years and it was on rob's 30th birthday we just all of us got absolutely smashed and we just said, sod it, why not? Let's just do it ourselves. Um, we knew we knew Yate inside and out. We know Yate's a really big commuter, commuter town. It's got 40,000 houses. So it's a pretty big town in its own, play, own right. And I'd already helped Stuart promote some shows in Yate um, a few years before. And they drew really well. And so I already knew how to do aspects of promoting certainly didn't know as much as I do now but I knew enough that I thought we could we could sell out a small venue um so we all put in 100 quid with the basis of that's enough to get started that's enough to we we begged borrowed and stole so Dragon Pro gave us our entrance on our musics that night um we were able to um basically lift a load of their talent so we used a lot of their guys on the first night um it was in shy away community center so if anything that last uh, we guys at the last show the very last I had one to miss the last one on sunday because we were, ah, right, right, yeah. we were at the second last Sorry. one at the big so, center, but... yeah yeah so um i mean the, the the last time we went we we put no production into it the, the first time we put more production into it than we did on the sunday show um but we we set up whatever little lighting we could just just to make it look okay for a show and the idea was if we can break even we've at least proven we can do it and we were something like 10 off a sellout i think for that first show and it was a really good show everybody seemed really happy so then it was let's run this again so we did like a an angle on the night we didn't do any more than that um so i think gideon and jekyll opened the show and then they they closed the show with the hundred bro um but we we were building angles just that for that first show and then three months later, we ran the same venue again and sold it out. And then we ran it again and we sold it out. And then we found out about Hannum um, and we sold that out. And then we started to think maybe maybe we're onto something here. And it wasn't through any sort of 
master plan of marketing or thinking that if if we do it this way, we will build it and they will come. It was very much on a on a on a slowly, slowly catchy monkey kind of basis where we just expanded slowly with it. We didn't want to try to start off with a venue we couldn't fill or start off with a tournament for a belt for that may only last one night. We we started off very much very simply to say this is a wrestling show. Hopefully you'll want to come see it and then hopefully you come back to it. And that was pretty much it. And then then it turned into obsession for the next six and a half years of my life. So when it started off, did you did you feel much pressure about making it succeed or or did you just um, see how it goes? I I think the only pressure we had was on ourselves for the quality we wanted to achieve, but that was it. It wasn't mm. a case where, to be perfectly honest, if, if if you know if if only twenty people had showed up, but the show was still that quality, and I never ran another show again, I would have been proud of that show. Mm. Looking back at it now, I hate that show um, <laughs> because you know there, there's so many production things that we didn't do right, and there's so many little things that we could have done better. But um. The only pressure I I feel that we put on is on ourselves, but not through any anyone else, but just the fact that we want whatever we do to be the best it can. Um, that's really the where I sort of feel the pressure because I know if it's the best it can be based on my view of what we want to achieve, my hope would then be that anybody that's paid money to see it is, is satisfied. And maybe not just on that one night, because I know that we've had some clangers of shows that people haven't enjoyed, and I'm fine with that. But I know that that's then led to the overall outcome of what we wanted to achieve at the end of it. And I very much see of what we did more like the Marvel Cinematic Universe in terms of everything's a film. And it's yeah. basically just been sort of getting to that whole culmination piece. Yeah. And the pressure I put on myself is just making sure that we are maximizing anything we can do for that one period that we're focusing on. Um, and you know, I put more and more pressure on myself, but I do that internally. That's just my my own personal mindset. Um, and, and that's through no one else's fault but myself. Um, it's And that's only because I'm a megalomaniac and an egotistical bastard when I'm, you know, very difficult to work with. Well, um, I've fallen out with Nick and Rob many times. I'll feed your ego a bit now, Dave. Ever since that Haddam show, I've never seen a bad couch show. So, you know, oh, I've, thank I've been, you. you sent me away happy every single time. Well, I mean, and the, the, you know, the reason the reason I say bad show is because I know, and and I I would say like the Chaos Father was not our best show. That was the one that we did in a new venue, um, the other side of Bristol. We were promised we could get a booze license, and then ten days that booze license was revoked. So naturally, we had lots of sober, angry people in the crowd. Already. I didn't and then that, that night. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Um, but that was, it was purposely done as a downer show. So that's the night that Dick Riley got, got fired. James Drake came back and cashed in the belt. So, so people left pissed off. Yeah. But that's kind of what we wanted mm. because we wanted people to be mad that Dick had gone because Grizz had gone to the show before. So people, and, and we stuck to that. So people have assumed that this was like, okay, like we, we've kept to that promise. So then when Dick went, people were like, what the hell are you doing? And rid of your most over guys. But we knew what we were doing and they had to go so people could miss them. Mm. And we knew what we were going with that. And we just had to bite our tongues because at the end of this, you're going to really, really like where we're going with this. Just, I know tonight wasn't great. Just, just trust us on it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's um, that, that to me, not from a pressure standpoint, it's probably one of my 
that show was a, a bigger disappointment to me than than anything else we've done just because i nobody likes getting negative feedback i don't care who you are you could have a hundred nice things said about you but if one person says one bad thing you focus on that one bad thing and that eats away at you and it eats away at you and you and you focus more on that one person than you do the hundred that loved it and it's that's probably where my pressure is going back to what you said my pressure is i want 101 people to be happy i don't want one person not to be happy I suppose using a football analogy, it's like if you lose a game of football, you just can't wait for the next game to make it right again. Exactly. Yeah, no, that is that is it. But then, you know, from a football fan's perspective, there's still going to be people online that are absolutely rinsing the manager if, you, if you've lost that one game. Oh, yeah. No matter yeah. what happens. Or even if you win that game, it's like you didn't use the right formation. Mm. Or, you know, that goal. sub was at the wrong time. You got lucky. You got lucky. Yeah. You got lucky. It was only 4-0. You know, that, <laughs> that sort of thing. You know? yeah. um, but... You, you you learn to start to slowly ignore those messages and focus on the fact of like we've just sold out another show everyone else seemed happy people that don't like it are still coming back so i should probably be okay with that but you still want everyone to enjoy the experience that you try to get it's about personal pride as well when you're putting on your product and, and quality control isn't it really yeah no no it is it definitely is because you know i said this is an obsessional what was an obsession for me um I was doing a full-time job and then I was easily putting in at least another part-time job's worth of hours in Running Chaos, at least. Because at one point I was editing all the shows, doing all the graphics, doing all the social media, um, sorting out anything else we did. So, you know, sorting out all the tab stuff. And, and that's purely because I'm terrible at, at delegating. Um, it's not because nobody wanted to help me. It's just that I, I'm a control freak. Um, so that's not through anyone else's fall it's just that that's the way i prefer to run things i know it's done if i do it but i also know that i might get to see my kids a little bit over the weekend as a result of it but that's the pressure that i put on myself um, how, how do you I, cope balancing work chaos family i didn't is the answer and that's one of the reasons i had to end up stopping um uh i i cannot remember a day or an hour where i didn't think about chaos when I was proper deep into it, sort of when we, when we started to get to proper monthly shows, it was I'd wake up, I'd check my phone, and I'd look for wrestling. Like the first thing I do, last thing I do at night, you're checking for wrestling, and and it's not just what you're doing. You're checking what everyone else in wrestling is doing. You're checking what the other promotions are doing. You're looking. You know, it becomes an obsession. So you still, I'd still go out and do things with the kids, and like. If, them, if I'm there taking them to football, I'd be like, yeah, watching the football game, I'm still checking my phone, seeing, trying to see what's going on. Like, I'm, I'm, I was not in a good place with that. I did not balance it, is, is the answer. Mm -hmm. So I ended up with less sleep and just doing more work. And, and you know, thankfully, my wife was very understanding because she understood this was a passion for me and something that I really wanted to do. Um, so she would set aside time for me where she could tell I had too much on. So she would basically lock me away in the rooms for hours. Because for like, a lot of people... When she knew I had loads of work to go through. Yeah, a lot of people. Lynn is the first actual face they see as they're walking into the uh, to the shows. Yeah. So you know she's the like almost the face yeah. of chaos in some ways. No, she's a real boss. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, um, luckily, I mean she she doesn't give herself enough credit with it because like she's just no, her and Emma um, just as responsible for the success we had as as anyone else. And doing that front of house job I mean, they they work really hard to make sure because they obviously for, for regulars that come come every time they 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 would know so i would i would i would sort out the um reservations the night before for the seat reservations 
And they were so on it, those two, that they came around the night before and they put them in the right order because they knew, knew who likes sitting next to each other. You know, that's the that's the level of care that they would they would put into these sort of things. Um, that, and that's the stuff that a load of you guys don't see, obviously. But there's a lot of stuff that we would try to do in the background to go that extra mile to to give people the the um, invest in us as much back as we can give give back to them to show that we appreciate them. So if anyone ever bought priority seating and had requests, we we do whatever we can for them. Um, and even the ones that didn't like, you know, they that. Lynn and Emma know more about our fans than I do. You know, I obviously know you guys, and I know uh, if I'm if I'm wandering around through the crowd during the show, I'll get like a hey Dave. I'm like hey hey how you doing? Lynn will know the names of people's kids. I was like I, I would have a clue, um, but yeah, Lynn, Lynn knows the um, uh, probably more about our, our our fan base than anyone else. I'd say. So um, when chaos was starting out, ultimately, did you expect it to be the success that it was? Um, it's certainly what I wanted. Did I expect that? No. Did I want more from it? Yeah, because I'm. I always wanted more. Um, I think um, success is subjective. Um, mentioned before that I was really happy and proud about what we did. I always, I, I always try to imagine chaos as if it was in a league table of British wrestling shows, and. I felt that we weren't deemed on the UK basis as being a top 10 company. And that was always sort of my goal. I wanted to be in the same, in the same conversations of when people talk about ICW progress and they start talking about different areas. So you talk about say Birmingham, you talk about Kamikaze or you talk about Norwich and they say WAW. And if anyone says Bristol, they say chaos. And that's what I wanted, but we never got to that. That's the best. That's what I wanted. That's purely on the basis of that's the way that the internet works and the fact that we don't have a built-up area. But I absolutely believe that within reason, we did everything we could to try to achieve that goal and to try to get to that point. Um, I think there was a couple of things that, that didn't work in our favor. I think the first is that we allowed families in. So we would deem to be a, a family show. And I always just said, we're, we're not a family show. We just, we're just not family un unfriendly. We just won't swear our blood, but that's literally it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's what I say. Sort of, um, if 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 you're a fan when you're a kid, and you if basically if you were me, if you were a fan when you were younger, you grew up loving it, and you've now got a child that you want to go to a show to that you can enjoy, that your kid can enjoy. That's what we do. Um, that's very difficult to market though. You can't say that <laughs> very quickly. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I think um was the fact that we ran leisure centres. So our bigger shows. There's some people that just hate leisure centers and just then brandish you with a with a uh, mark of not being that next tier because you run leisure centers. Um, but now I always felt that we invested as much as we could do to try to make that feel like it was not a leisure center show. Um, but as a result of that, we weren't in those, or that uh, my view is we weren't in those conversations because of that. Um, I wanted us to go even further. Like I wanted us to run the Colston Hall. I wanted us to run bigger venues. I felt we had the potential and the momentum at a point to do that. I think that momentum probably peaked at the point that WWE came in and, and started to take the talent exclusively. And, and there's no bit of feelings towards that. I've got nothing but love for anyone that signed up there. Um, but it felt like that year, or at least the, the year before in that year, which would have been what, two, three years ago now, 
really felt like we were on something and we were building momentum and we could have done it then. Um, but going back to what I said, I'm happy with everything we did. Um, I'm always going to want more. Um, so I didn't achieve everything that I ultimately wanted to achieve when we stopped, but I definitely over-delivered on everything we thought we were going to do when I started. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But was it Coast and all that actually wouldn't have wrestling there then you? Yeah, yeah. So they used to have um, All-Star, um, mm. so Brian Dixon there. And um, I have no idea of the history 10 times. Um, Beg, borrowed, and steeled. Which um, I had the phone put down on me a few times. Um, they just flat out wouldn't, don't, didn't want wrestling there. And it, some venues, it has a stigma, mm. um, which is a shame because I was trying to explain to them. I sent them any promotional material that we had um, to say, look, forget, forget what you think you know about wrestling. The the world of British wrestling is a different um proposition now than it was 10 years ago please i just want to meet and let me talk to you it just didn't happen unfortunately and it's a shame because i think if you can run somewhere like the colston hall that has as much more permanent than just the chaos brand name um i think we probably would have got a few hundred people just by the fact that wrestling was back at colston hall we would have got enough coverage from that because I genuinely feel like we could have got over a thousand people if we were running there, but um, it just wasn't to be. And it's um, like I said, it was one of those things I would have loved to have happened, but um, I don't regret it didn't happen. It's something I would have liked to happen, but very happy with everything we did do. So you've, you've, you've obviously booked probably hundreds and hundreds of wrestlers uh, as, as chaos, one of the chaos promoters. Um, have you had any real proper busts up with any of them? Bust ups. Ever come away the black um, eye or, or anything, or, you know, no, um, uh, me and Paul Robinson nearly came to blows towards the end over something stupid, and that yeah. was one of the most scariest moments of my life. Um, <laughs> but no, no, nothing more than yelling. So, because God knows if we, you know, if it if it ended up, you know, hand to hand, he would have killed me. Um, He's a scary um, guy, isn't he? There's been, oh God, yeah. I mean, what you guys don't see is the um, before he goes out. Like when his before his music's playing, he proper gets in his own. Like you can't talk to him. Mm. Like it's it is an act, but it's not an act. Okay, just trust me on this. Um, um, who else have I had arguments with? Um, there's been there's been times where we've gone out and asked people to do things, and they haven't done things the way we wanted. So I've had to add stern words with people, um, but nothing too bad. I'd like to think that generally speaking, we were always pretty easy going. Um, so, and, and, you know, to be frank, people normally wanted to have, you know, jobs to come back to. So you don't tend to find that you have many serious bust ups in a, in a locker room and, unless there's a serious problem. Um, and, you know, I think with Robertson didn't turn out to be a serious problem. It was just miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you know is just just one example. I mean, I've I've probably had more arguments with Webster than I've had anyone else. Where yeah, he's yeah. been backstage and, and he's he's watching it with me and he's watching something happen like out in the uh, out on the monitor. I'd be like, and he'd be saying, "Why is that happening?" And I'd say, "It's happening because of this." And go, "Why are you doing it that way?" And I'd be like, "Because I want to do it that way. It's my company. We're going to do this, this, and this." So no, you should do this, this, and this. And I'm like going, "It's out there now. I can't stop it." And then we'd like we. We, we'd yell at each other, but in a passionate way. Yeah. Um, I probably had more more um, arguments with him outside of Nick and Rob um, than I did anyone else. <laughs> but that's only because 
he was passionate about chaos and wanted it to um, be as good as it could be. But going back to Paul Robinson, that entrance every time when you had the security guards around him used to want to fight the crowd. I mean, you think if, if he didn't have the security guards and it was just him against the crowd, he'd win. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that security guard thing is kind of a situation where um, I think there was an incident where a, sh- a fan shoved him and uh, we all spoke about it and Paul, Paul basically said, look, I can calm it down if you want. I said, no, 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 that's, your, that's mm-hmm. the thing. So that's fine. We'll just surround you with people. Yeah. If anything, that makes it better. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just about getting that right balance. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he, he's probably one of the best unsigned talents uh, in the UK at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, and you know, no, nobody knows what's going to happen when life goes back to normal. But it wouldn't surprise me if you saw him on the top of most cards in the UK. Okay. Well, he's certainly getting on with progress now, isn't he? So, well, he was before lockdown. Yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely. What well, him and Karen Wa, you know, it was looking oh. like 2020 was going to be the year of those guys. Um, so, um, you know, wrestling's not going to go away. They're still next year. Now we got this vaccine, so. I'm I'm sure that the likes of those guys and and you know obviously the the kind of talents we've mentioned before there's opportunities out there. What wrestling's going to and I'm just as excited as you guys to find out yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. So, was there any wrestlers you wouldn't have back if, if you got a chance? So, wouldn't have back. Um, well, I've got no bridges to burn now. So, um, unlike with Grado. Uh, so probably wouldn't be looking to bring mainly because he got drunk and sorry you broke up then Dave you missed that bit one of the one of the uh... sorry we, 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 which bit did you not hear we didn't hear you said basically it all broke up then hello can you hear me we can hear you Oh, he's back. Hello. 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 Can you? Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah, you, you broke up. We didn't hear any of Dave, that. Can you hear me? Okay. Right. Uh, so, um, peep, so somebody I wouldn't have back um, would probably be Grado. Uh, didn't have right. a particularly great night with him, mostly because he got really drunk, um, put his arm around one of the talents, was drinking us. Tim Pop promotion. I ain't got any clue what they're doing. Put me on first. Basically slagging us off. Turns mm. out he was doing that to Nick. Oops. Wow. Um, so I'm like, we didn't kick. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't kick off about it. But it's just like, you know what? Fine. It's fine. I get it. You you, you think you're a bigger star than we are. I, I just think it's fine. Um. So yeah, I didn't give that a second thought uh, because there's no point in having arguments with it, and we'd make a big deal of it at the time. But I'm sure Grado's doing fine now. He's not going to care what I think about him. But um. Yeah, it's fine. We we were just more interested in working with people that wanted to work with us, and that was it, really. Um, you know, apart from imports, which generally speaking, normally were like a one and done sort of scenario for us. Um, most of the people that we use, we use on a regular basis because a we thought they were really valuable for what we did, and b we got on with them. We always work on our happy lockering. If anybody did a shorter stint with us, it's probably because there was an well, not an issue, but Either that was the plan or there wasn't a anything that causes a disharmony in our locker room isn't what we want. So we'd rather if if the quality of the sh- of the outreach of the stuff in the ring or that night diminishes because we haven't booked somebody that's deemed to be 
uh, or we book someone or refuse to book somebody that isn't as that we don't feel is going to help him to be a draw. We'd rather not have the draw because hmm. we'd rather the guys. The way that chaos worked is the the biggest draw was the brand for me in terms of everyone. It's a it's a sum of all of its parts. No one person was more important than anyone else. And if we're in a situation where those individuals aren't happy, it's going to make for an unhappy locker room. And one of the things we're often told is that, and partly might be lip service, but they're saying that they enjoy working in our locker room more than most because everybody's of the same mindset and nobody's trying to politic each other because none of us would stand for that anyway. And they're all, they're treating as a team sport. They all know that, right, okay, this is the period where this guy's going to the moon. So let's all get behind that because we know that then if a sold out shows, anybody that's smart brings t-shirts because they can then sell those t-shirts to more people. So it's uh, it's uh, cyclical in that way. It's to, if everybody tries their hardest to, to get along and try to put on the best show, everybody in theory can make more money. And have there ever been any times before a show where you've just wanted to cancel it? Oh yeah, loads. Um, <laughs> um uh you know so but the the last yate show first of all i was in bits i was in tears at like any time somebody new came in i started crying i was like i don't i can't do this but the other thing that went wrong is our computer failed on us um 45 minutes before the show was due to start so that computer had every single entrance music video on it um yeah, so um, it was run. I don't have the laptop here, but I've got a, a laptop which is like six years old that had a backup, but I, I just backed it up because I was obsessed about IT because I work in IT. Um, and our entire show was basically run on the laptop that did our first show <laughs> that was riddled with viruses, had, shouldn't have worked. It should not have worked. I cannot <laughs> stress how crap that laptop was. Like, if you actually watch some of the video, some of the videos that come up on the actual screen at night are so blocky in some bits because the processor just could not handle it. So we were sort of just there on tender hooks, going like, at any moment, this whole thing could just fall apart. But somehow it worked out all right. Um, so, so yeah, that that was a tough one. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, not quit but because i couldn't remember any of the show um the we we ended up by accident having the tna world heavyweight champion and the ring of honor world heavyweight champion on the same show not through design that just that was <laughs> so we booked drew galloway and we booked jay lethal jay lethal was the ring of honor champion and drew won the belt like two weeks before he was with us so we were like happy days this is all right um and I'm setting up and I'm on a ladder and I'm setting up our entrance way and health and safety was not good. Um, and I basically fell off a ladder twice um, and like concussed myself pretty bad. So the point when I don't remember any of the show, like I was there in spirit, but that was it. Like I was away with the fairies. Like I, I cannot remember any part of that show. I watched it back when I edited it going, Oh, this is really good. Oh yeah, this is good. Yeah, but, but you know, I mean, to, to give you an idea, it was that, but I actually got a CAT scan the next day. So, you know, it was pr a pretty yeah, bad sort yeah. of concussion. Oh. Now, if I was with it at all, I would not want to have been there that day. And I'm sure that, you know, knowing what we know about concussions today that we didn't know then, I probably should have gone to the hospital there and then. Um, but yeah, that was that was a pretty bad day at the office as well. So you've mentioned you've mentioned Dick Wright is one of your favourite people to work with. Uh, who are other favourite yeah. people you can work with, you've worked with? 
Um, okay, so I could go on for days with this. So um, in no particular order, I mean, I love Webster because he challenges us at all, all aspects of what we were doing. Um, uh, I loved Eddie Ryan just because when we pitched any, he didn't say no to anything and we made him do some stupid, stupid things. <laughs> um, but also he's, he doesn't get enough credit for being a really good straight man. Oh yeah. So the way crazy teacups worked in terms of the absolute, like, you know, the, it's the sublime to the ridiculous, like that whole trio yeah. with Khan and, 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 and Sterling worked, worked brilliantly because of how each of those three characters played their role so well but with very little direction from us, we just basically said, be an oddball team. And off they went and did mm-hmm. it. Um, I love the Hunter brothers. Yeah. I like, I, I cannot stress how much I love the Hunter brothers. And again, it was like stupid, stupid stuff. Like we were telling them like, you're the best tag team in Europe. So what we're going to do is we're going to pretend you've been a lion for the last 18 months. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> off they go. Um, who else do I really like? I mean, um, obviously I love Grizz. Um, Oh God, uh, it's going to be too many to name, and I'm going to get it wrong. Like, um, I, I mean, I loved working with Ginny. Um, like, Ginny doesn't get enough credit for, especially some of her, her her last matches with us. Like the the extra training she was getting, and some of the she's put on some some of the best technical matches we've ever had. That just doesn't get the credit. Plus, she's an absolute sweetheart, providing she hasn't got a live mic in front of a child. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. That with, you know what? I would quit that night when she started f bombing a, a child in the front row. Definitely would quit <laughs> that night. Um, um, God, who else? Um, you know what? James Drake. Um, James Drake is like an absolute sweetheart, and I know that doesn't really help with his persona at the minute. But I mean, to to to, to give you an idea, um, so we we knew we obviously wanted to use Drake for. Straight for our, for our last show on the Saturday, but because we were running such a small venue on that Sunday, like we just couldn't afford him. Um, and he was asking, like, if I got a spot on the Sunday, I was like, mate, it's absolutely nothing against you, but I wasn't even going to ask you because, to be frank, I, I can't afford you. And he's like, you've done so much for me, I'll do it for free. Nice. And it, for him to say that, and like, as and you know, he, he said some lovely things for for us on the night um, as well, but like he really appreciated the fact that we we're one of the few places that gave him a singles run because mm. he was always tagged up with, with Zach and like he was all about, he always used to say uh, he, he just wanted to get more reps and he wants to get more chances to do things on the mic alone to try to experiment with what he can do. And we gave him that platform to be able to do it. And like, yeah, and I can't thank him enough. Um, oh, no, because, he's, he's somewhere, yeah. Wouldn't yeah. Um, God, I'm going to forget people like, you know, I, even though you only used him twice, but I chapped him loads. Like Chris Hero, I love Chris Hero. Um, I we tried so hard, so hard to get that third Eddie Dennis match. I cannot stress. Like when we found out he was going going back to NXT, we tried to book Hannum on a Tuesday night with the idea that we were going to fly Hero over for one night just to put on. And just we were just like, we probably sell out Tuesday. Yeah, we probably sell out Tuesday. We could do this. Yeah, we'll sell out yeah. Tuesday. It'd be fine. Um, but yeah, um, I mean. And, you know, to give you an idea on who the kind of guy that Chris is, um, I was really lucky that I could, um, I was invited backstage to the NXT UK Cardiff tapings going back about a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, 
just just you know for no other reason than the the guys in progress invited me along because i had a good relationship and i was local and as soon as i got there i said hello to people and chris here was in the ring saw me hopped over gave me a huge hug asked how i was like i hadn't seen him in years mm. um but like that's the measure of the man like in terms of yeah i spent a lot of time with him um when he was here because i sorted out a tour for him and yeah i've got a lot of time for him um I just know I'm gonna miss people out. Um, obviously, love Alex Steele because he's one of my best mates. Nick and Rob, obviously, I get on with. Um, so I like working with them. Um, oh, I'm I'm struggling now, and I'm gonna feel really bad for anyone listening to this that I've left out. Um, obviously, Wild Boar. Wild Boar is Wild Boar to me is like the Undertaker of British wrestling. He's he's that cool mofo that like mm. like he's a locker room leader. He's especially when he's at dragon pro like he's mm. the ultimate professional um and the way he trains those lads and, and, and girls and the respect that he doesn't command but gets because he deserves it because yeah. of the kind of guy he is um so yeah i mean yeah I, if i haven't mentioned anyone i'm sorry it's just i could spend the next 45 minutes going through <laughs> everyone we've booked and i'd probably be able to tell you a story about them yeah. But, um, going, going back to Boar, we love the World Boar Invitational matches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. That was his idea. Yeah. And yeah. we were like, yeah, sure, go for it. No, no, no problem fantastic. at all. Um, the thing we had with Boar is that we tried to bring him back as a heel and just nobody bought it. Like, they still cheer him. <laughs> it's like, um, but again, it goes back to that whole sort of taker thing. Like, I think he's earned that respect. And mm-hmm. um, he's kind of got to that point where, like, I mean, I don't, I, he'd have to murder someone in the ring to get heel heat at that point with us, because like he's, you know, he he he's earned that 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 he's carried that favour with the with the crowd now that we knew that okay, fine, let's just use this as an opportunity to build up some other guys at least, and then obviously that that final night that you guys came to, we were able to use that angle with Danny Jones's losing story to turn it all around in that one night. So we used that one night again like a TV night. We set up a story at the start of the show and we finished with him. So, yeah, but but Boar is a lot like Eddie Ryan in that respect. You could never turn Eddie heel, really, could you? Because uh, not successfully, because there's so many oh, people that love it, not done in our part of the world. I said to Curse before that he could throw live kittens out of, a motor, out of the car on the motorway, they still could cheer for him, wouldn't they? You know, I'm not going to suggest that as a way to get heel heat, but that probably no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's best not to. It's probably for the best if we didn't do that. But yeah. um, no, no, absolutely. There's, there's certain guys that you have to try really hard. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because it used to be really difficult. It used to be a lot easier to be, in my view with wrestling, it's easier to be hated than it is to be loved. Mm. It's easier to do despicable things and get people to hate you really quickly. Mm. Love is earned over a long period of time coming out one night saying come on make some noise will get out a reaction mm. when you look at eddie ryan and you look at grizz and you look at dick riley like i i i say like when when their when their music hits before they've done anything else before they've even come out you get a rock star reaction now mm. you hit you hear people screaming mm. for yeah, effectively local talent that they're not known anywhere else but in 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 king's oak or in hannah or in yay in those places at those times those guys without doing anything else because of mm-hmm. of the love that they've earned from the audience are as over as they would be in any venue anywhere in the country yeah. it's like, and that's because of that long-term arc yeah. because of the investment that we put into it it's like reach tried to turn dick riley heel uh, last so we went to and he, he sort of turned on pino 
Mm -hmm. he, he, I think he ate peanut with the chair, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Uh, and as soon as he ate peanut with the chair, everyone, half the crowd was still cheering him. <laughs> Bino, I forgot Bino. God, Bino's I love that kid. And she's there. So yeah. I, had a, I had a bet with Bino. Um, but uh, I said I said to him, um, within two years, you're going to have a match at WWE. And he was like, no, I won't. And then we put a tenner on it. And that show I went to, he was wrestling for the WWE that night. Yeah, he got he absolutely killed by Imperium, but yeah, he still yeah. got in there. So yeah. there's a photo I've got with him that, uh, that I haven't posted any, which is me and him with a tenner shaking hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's a shame about a spray tan that night. But apart from that, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier for him. Like, he's somebody that's really grown um, with what we did because... Um, and when we were working with him, like he wanted to drop the Beano thing like really quickly. I was like, you, you, no, absolutely not. Like half of what you do as a wrestler is your entrance, and that got him over. Mm. And I keep saying to him, like, I don't need really good wrestlers. I need people that are over. You can wrestle great, that's fantastic. Yeah. But what I need is people that love or hate characters because then they'll come back and watch them again. And if you watch probably Beano's first match compared to Beano's sort of last set of matches with us, like the the thing against Haskins was amazing, but. Mm. He, he grew better as a performer over those years, but he didn't change that entrance until he turned heel because that's mm. the thing that got him over. That's the people who got, got him warmed up. And that's the thing that I was really insistent about. We'll, we'll get rid of it at some point, but I need you to do this at the minute because that, that is really the hook. That's the thing that is 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 getting you over and you'd be a yeah. madman to lose it. That match he had with Brendan White at Dragon Pro, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, when he won, that was a fantastic match. I've not seen it. I've not oh, seen it, but I've no, yeah. no doubt. If you get a chance, they see it. It's brilliant. Yeah. I will be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I know the promoter. I see if I can get a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully. But uh, you've mentioned your good relationship with Dragon Pro and, and Natty at uh, CSF. Have you ever had any run-ins with uh, some promoters from other parts of the country or around this way? Yeah, yeah. I guess you're after dirt here, aren't you? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, you know. <laughs> uh, um, running, running. Well, no, no, no. I don't, like I said, I don't care. I've got no bridges to burn. The, the irony is, I don't actually talk to Natty anymore. He's he's unfriended me on Facebook and everything. Right. But um, it's that's fine. It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm not that. I am bothered about it. But I'm not that bothered about it. It's just one of those things, you know. It's just when I stop wrestling, you stop seeing the people. That's all it is. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I also know that um, I'm a preachy son of a bitch online. So sometimes unfriending me is not the worst thing in the world. Um, <laughs> Um, in terms of falling out, um, I wouldn't say we've had any major fallings out. I mean, I've had mild disagreements. So, you know, I did have a disagreement with Big League, going back yeah. to give you an idea. So, it was one against, and I've seen, and this is a minor thing. So, um, uh, this is when he was, uh, Lewis was trying to sign people to like local Southwest contracts. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it, and I think they just, just, Somebody said, does this, somebody asked him, does this include Bristol? And he said, Bristol's in the Southwest. So yeah, and mm. I didn't even give it a second thought. And then I got some messages from him, like apologizing, saying like, we should work an angle out of this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm not interested in doing cross promotion angles. And like, but I'm like, if you want to do you, you do you. And I think he thinks that then like we had heat from it. And I, so I generally didn't give it a second oh, thought, no. but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, <sighs> who else don't I get along with? Let me think. Um, we generally get, we, we haven't had a massive falling out with anyone because the nature of what we have to do means that, especially when we were in the age when we were bringing over imports all the time, you have to get along with everyone yeah. because you have to do flight shares. I mean, yeah, course, yeah. the only time I can think of was when um, 
when we were working with Pride on a Matt Riddle import run, and we said, Matt Riddle's available on the Friday. Do you want him? He said, yeah. And we were like, okay, great. You can have him on the Friday and Saturday. We'll sort the Sunday. And then we saw they booked him on like in Western Supermare because they booked a venue there. And we sort of messaged him going, you didn't mention it was going to be in Western because that's a bit close to Bristol. And then we had like mm-hmm. a little falling out about that and just saying like, can you either find a different venue or we'll find somewhere else in the work. Mm-hmm. But only because it didn't make business sense to do it that way. Um, I guess the only other one would be 4FW probably. So we, we, we know we don't get on with 4FW because we get screenshotted anytime Dave Sharp said anything nasty about us. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it's fine, whatever. I mean, the, I guess the main story that, that happened with that was um, and Cody Rhodes became available um, after he left DE before he signed anywhere else. Um, we reached out to the um, uh, the agent that was looking after it, as I'm sure looking after him, as I'm sure many other people did. And we'd arranged a date. We'd arranged a uh, opponent, so it's going to be him versus Mark Andrews, because he was only interested in working people that that he wanted to work. So we'd negotiated that. We'd negotiated the match. We had the graphic ready to go, and then we saw that um, Cody had actually posted like all the different places he was going to wrestle and Bristol was on the map. And we're like, oh, great. Okay, so what are you promoting? Fantastic. So I messaged the agent and said, thank you for that. And he said, yeah, actually what's happened is 4FW have booked him and they've, and like the, they, they were talking to him at the same time and arranged the, the deal before us. And they basically said they're going to pull out if we use him. Um, so as a result, we lost the Cody match. And then Ironically, um, they also lost the Cody match because he was put by Ring of Honor the same night that he was supposed to be used because I think UPW had a deal with him the same night yeah. and then he came back to do a UPW show but then couldn't work out their show. So, yeah, um, just sort of m- minor little things like that. And also, initially, we were trying to be nice with them. We we sent them all of our dates for a certain year to say, look, just so you know, these are the dates we're thinking of running. Um, mm-hmm. We're letting you know so you don't clash because it doesn't help either of us if you clash. And he thanked us and then he changed a couple of dates to clash with us after we sent them to him so mm. it's one of those things and yeah. like and i was like you know what it's fine we still sold out our shows i'm not that bothered about it um i was working on a basis of you should worry about what you're doing not what other people are doing because yeah. if you focus your energy there you're not focusing on you so yeah hopefully that's enough dirt for you but that's about as far as it's gone it's not been yeah no, that's, fine. That, that's fine yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we haven't it, we haven't called any um we haven't called the sort of fire alarms in on any shows or anything like that or anything juicy in the frame. Sorry. <laughs> um, in the end, was it a tough decision for you to finish chaos? Uh, yes and no. Um, by the time you guys saw that video, I'd come to peace with it. Mm. By the time I, you know, it was like the three of us had posted that, um, we we'd actually decided I think in the January of that year. Or no, it was actually before. It was it was really frustrating because we decided pretty much out like a couple of months out or weeks after we put season tickets out like, out on sale, which was stupid really, because we sort of felt like well we're committed now we have to do this next year because we've got season tickets um, sold. But I can't remember what it was. I think we 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 probably had a stupid argument about something stupid. Like it wasn't. I couldn't, couldn't even remember what it was for and it obviously wasn't that important but I remember just waking up the next morning doing the same thing looking at my phone checking for wrestling and I just sort of stopped and thought and went what am I doing in terms of I, I felt like 
year on year we had grown, but the last two years we hadn't. And I don't like doing the same things all the time. And I knew that with mm. with my family and my work life, which was getting busier, I wasn't able to give any more to chaos than I already was. Chaos was never a big money maker. It was it made money, but it wasn't like I could quit my job to do it. As much as I would love to do that, it was never really an option. Um, and I sort of thought, said, like, do I want to still be waking up in a year's time looking at my phone and just trying to see if we can sell, you know, sell sell, sell the same number of tickets? And because I know I can't get in the Colston Hall, I know that it's going to become trickier to get bigger name talent over because there aren't any imports left. I know a lot of my mates are getting signed by the WWE, so I'd have to rebuild again. And that's going to give me a lot of effort and, and headaches. And is there anything else I really need to do? I feel like I've achieved everything I needed to do. So I sent Nick and Rob a message and I said, no, I'm just letting you guys know where my head's at. Um, I'm thinking like, oh, I want to stop at the end of this year um, because I feel like we've done as much as we can. And they both replied saying they felt the same way. So we we were in tune with it. Um, and obviously the, I'm, I'm very stubborn. So once I've made a decision, that's it. So like, as soon as I've done that, I'm like, okay, fine, I'm done. And I'm quitting, that's fine. But we didn't tell the soul for months. No. So, um, obviously, obviously, sorry, carry on. No, no. So I was going to say, so there was a takeover by uh, Flash and Borland. Uh, was that sorted out early on or was it late? Uh, a lot later than people know. So yeah. um, we told, so before that video came out, I think the day of, um, we messaged the roster to say, we're letting you guys know before this video goes out because we owe that to you, but we had to leave it as late as possible because wrestlers talk. So we knew that by the time that video went out, most people would have known anyway. Um, I sent that message out. Within an hour, Flash had rang me and said, I want to buy the company. And I was like, mate, calm down. <laughs> um, you don't know what you're saying. And I said, look, mate, chill out. And we, we had a long chat about, you know, the reasons for doing it and X, Y, and Z. And he was like, yeah, but I want to buy the company. I'm like, you're just saying that right now because you're worried it's going. Just just sit on it and think on it. And he did. And we didn't properly talk again about it until um, it was probably in November. We probably spoke about it. And like he said, yeah, I've been, I've been chatting to chatting to Bore. And like, you know, we've been talking about how we could run things and stuff. And they were like properly talking about it at this point. And I was like, all right, okay. And like, we'd spoken, me, Nick and Rob, about if anybody ever wanted to buy it. And we had offers, but from people that I didn't feel would run things in the right way. And uh, I was felt very passionately that if it did get sold, it needs to be sold to the right people. And the fact is we actually sold it for less than what we were offered from other people. But I knew that going to those two, they had been with us from the very early days. They understood the ethos of what we were doing. And I felt like, sure, their stories might change, who these might change, but the soul of what we do wouldn't change. Um, so I couldn't think of two better people to sell it to, but we didn't actually, I think it was in... Um, so it was the week, so we actually properly did a proper like contract. We actually went through, we came up with a pro forma of everything involved with the sale. That was only signed, I think, the week before the show when we announced it. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, then obviously that, you know, it, we announced it on that night and it was one of the most emotional nights of my life because seeing the reaction to that was 
I still got goosebumps now just thinking about it. But yeah, just seeing the reaction in that room um, when when Flash said he wants to buy Pro Wrestling Chaos in front of everyone, it was um, it was a beautiful moment. Um, and I can't wait for their first show a year after they've bought it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen so many people crying in fans at one show mm-hmm. as I did that night. Mm. And that's the that is weirdly the thing I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to being that side of the curtain and experiencing mm. that with everyone because yeah. even when even though I know I was out there, I was I was so absorbed in that moment at the same time. So I was I'm like the most emotional mm. guy anyway, yeah. like out of the three of us especially. So like. I remember when they were coming, I had to look directly at the screen because I was already welling up because I knew what was about to happen. I'm like, if you look at the camera, Nick's pointing and laughing at me. He's going, look, he's gone already. Look at him, look at him. Um, um, and that's one of the reasons I couldn't talk on that last night in in, mm. in Yay. And like Nick and Rob did the talk and then like Eddie came out and did a wonderful speech, but I genuinely couldn't talk. I tried to do a speech to the boys backstage or the, the roster backstage like before we started. I couldn't, I just kept going to pieces. Like, um, and I'm just going off on a tangent about me crying all the time, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah, Flash and 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 Paul running chaos. It it couldn't be in safer hands. Gen- genuinely, um, those guys know how to run shows already. They know how our shows worked. They know how the shows will run in the future. So more power to them. I think the fans were happy when when we found out it was it was actually taken over. But are you going to turn the tables on Flash and just stand there going, "Why are you doing that?" <laughs> no no absolutely Why i mean are you doing um, it this way well this is this is kind of my worry so like, obviously the first show is meant to happen in april and i, and I was 50 50 about whether i was even going to go to that first show because it's going to be like when alex ferguson left man united but it's up yeah. there in the director's box just staring down so if chaos do anything differently and everyone's going what's dave going to think of that and that's like that's the last <laughs> thing they need they, so they don't they they don't need sort of old man mercy in the corner just shaking his fist going shouldn't have done that back in my day that isn't the way that i like wrestling well but, I, I i don't know if flash and Bobby are quite happy to be compared to um uh, david moore but there you go. <laughs> yeah, no. um, uh, uh, yeah uh, it's it's one of those where no matter what they do, it's going to be different. And you know what? That's totally fine. My flavor of wrestling is different from what maybe you guys like from wrestling or anybody else listening to this likes from wrestling. All that matters is if there's enough there that you enjoy that makes you come back, you're onto a winner. And that's really what I would hope for those guys. So since you've left uh, wrestling or chaos, You've, uh, you've taken it upon yourself. You seem to be like an official union rep for re- wrestlers uh, standing up for them with their, if they're not getting paid by uh, a, a promotion uh, and if, yeah. if promoters are running things the wrong way. Uh, do you think you're going to continue doing that? Um, when things go back to normal, probably, um, purely because um, I, I genuinely feel like if I... I want to do it for, for ages because I've known that there's loads of talent out there that still now haven't been paid by companies much bigger than me Mm. and it's not right because those companies are using the sway that they've got knowing that they're bigger than that talent not to pay them um now i can say hand on heart that we paid whatever people asked and we paid it in advance because that's the way we felt business should be done um if a talent has an issue with the promoter they can't go public with it because if they go public with it and other promoters see that, that will then that could impact their future bookings. Hmm. Um, the the delicacies around making yourself as marketable as possible means that you can't be seen to be negative when you're doing these things. 
So for me, I've got no bridges to burn. Like I'm done with wrestling. Um, I still love it. I'll still chat to people like yourself for, for hours on end about it. But I know that if I start calling out promotions or individuals for not acting properly, it's not going to affect my ticket sales anymore. Mm. It's not going to, it's not going to um, give me a, a bad name with other promoters, mm. but it will mean that people that I know, and even people that I don't know that deserve to be paid will get paid because a lot of people don't make a lot of money doing this. Sometimes we're not talking about, we're not talking about thousands of pounds here. We're talking about like, 20 30 quid notes sometimes you know you know starting out as a wrestler isn't isn't a lot of money but it's enough to at least cover your costs and like cover your training mm. and, and the good thing with you is Dave, if you, i can sorry carry on sorry sorry carry on. no 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 I was gonna say, the good thing with you is you're well respected in the business and, and everybody looks at you basically you know so you've got a, a bit of sway there haven't you um I wouldn't, well, I mean, this goes down to if people know me, great. If they don't, they don't. I'm I'm not working. I'll, I'd like to think that at least I've got relationships with all these promotions. So when I can contact the promoter, I can talk to them from promoter to, to a promoter level and say, right, I've been, and I'll, and I'll approach it fairly, right, uh, without emotion to say, right, person A has told me they've not been paid for you for this date that they've done on this date. What's your response? Um, a, I paid them. B, I haven't paid them that I will, or C, stop talking to me. Hmm. If it's options C, we go further. Um, but is that what we see on social media? Is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't want to do that, but at the same time, I don't care if I do that. It makes no difference to me at all. Like I really, I really don't care. Um, I can't stress that enough. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pushing for I've got a family here. If I can just put out a quick tweet, someone's going to get paid. Happy days. Like I. I don't care anymore. I'm too old and grumpy now to worry about all of this. So, <laughs> when she um, gets my ice pub. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 one of those where if I can do it that way, the talent doesn't get outed, but the promotion does. It's done mm-hmm. in a way that hopefully people will see the consequences of those actions and it will stop it. And I do hope that. I mean, I, and I've said that I'm not going to do anything during COVID because it's not fair because no one's got any money. Promotions yeah. promotions yes, don't have money yeah. at the minute, but. Clean slate. As soon as things come back to life, as soon as any promoter starts now, I'm going to be back on that. And you know, if anybody's not getting paid, I want to be the first to know, and I will stand up for anyone's rights. And the thing is, even when it's been um, bigger amounts, I've given people advice about small claims courts and mm. and other things that they can do, which I can't do for them, but I can at least give them all the tools to make sure that mm. they've got the best chance of getting their money back. Because, um there's not a lot of money in british wrestling there's you can probably mm-hmm. count on on a couple of hands like people aren't talented but they'll say promoters that make money there's probably on one hand you could say like they make proper decent have decent money mm. me me personally i've made enough of beer money to walk around and lose change in my back pocket and i'm cool with that mm. a lot of other promotions make a hell of a lot more than that and are choosing not to pay their people because they want to increase their profits and that's not right mm. Mm. business treat it like a business and then play pay your employees that's really what I'm, I'm expecting um so so yeah I'll, I'll, i will carry on i will continue to fall out with promoters and i will still not care yeah. and i mean from a fan's point of view we want we want to see the people we wrestle or we people we watch wrestling we want to see them play we want and we i want think to know and i think if, if we vote with our feet and uh you know start boycotting these firms that don't pay their these probably then that's uh, a good thing and that's exactly it. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you where to go or where not to go, but you will know based on the information that's out there 
what those companies' ethics are. And then it's obviously up to you guys to do what you want to do. I'm not trying to put anyone out of business. No. I'm no. just trying to make sure I'm just trying to make sure people get their fair share. Yeah. And in light of the speaking at revelations that surfaced earlier in the year, what do you feel needs to be done to get British wrestling back on track so everyone can be satisfied that they're seeing a reputable production? It's going to be a really tricky one. Um, I think things have sort of the APPG stuff, the uh, the fact that wrestling is getting mentioned in Parliament is mind blowing to me. Um, that's something I've wanted for years. I firmly believe that governance and control are needed because we are so unregulated. Um, and you know, we we and other companies are have put policies and procedures in place of our own back because we thought it's the right thing to do for the way that we were running shows, not because we were told to. And and obviously we're talking about you know starting with speaking out and you know as a middle-aged white guy I shouldn't be talking or, or saying anything about you know how being a you know a young woman and getting abused in this this industry is obviously abhorrent but I'm by no means the right person to be speaking with about this because I've got no experience with that um but there are other things that we've done as a company in terms of um silly little things like ensuring that everyone's hotels are sorted and they're not staying at someone's house mm. um unless they're okay with that of course um paramedics at shows um ensuring you got the proper insurances i i feel like the speaking out movement has started a conversation with with, with the government that can hopefully get to a point where we've got a governing board or some sort of um control that everyone recognizes this is the minimum standard but i think it needs to go further than safeguarding i think safeguarding is absolutely the number one priority um across schools and across the the shows and you know however they get that gets implemented i will be supportive of that because i completely agree that that needs to happen to give you guys as, as fans uh, um assurances that, that you're paying to watch shows that are being run in the right way because the fact is you don't know you don't know how my back back end processes work compared to another show ten miles down the road. You're just making edu educated guesses based on the product that you see and then what you hear. If there was a code of conduct that could be signed up to, or a governing body, or something, I don't know what the solution is, but some sort of rubber stamp you can put on a poster, so you know that they are part of this 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 union, and you know that if they don't follow those practices, that they're going to be shut down. Or something mm -hmm. like that. At least something like that gives you guys the um, the level of understanding that you might want. But the yeah. the problem is, what I've said there is going to be completely different to the next person you ask about what should change in British wrestling. That's mm -hmm. wrestling. Um, my view. My, everyone's got a different opinion on this, and the people that need to control this need to not be involved in wrestling in any way, shape, or form, mm. because this this industry is so entwined with each other that no individual is above being perceived to be corrupt hmm. or having an agenda with it. Say, for example, I, I I I was I was in charge of a governing body. Straight away, because I've told you that story about 4FW, they're going to think I've got it in for them. Hmm. Yeah. because i don't talk to yeah so straight away and and the thing is like I, I generally think i'm bulletproof at the minute like there's no flies on me it was something would have come out by now there's nothing i've done wrong i promise um <laughs> um but even me and you said that i'm just you know if you think i'm respected thank you but um i'm i'm 
I could point my finger at lots of other people I think should be involved, but I also know that they've got people that would say shit about them. Mm. There's there's nobody that's above this whole thing. Mm. So we actually need somebody who's not part of any of this, who's got experience of running governing boards or or controls and processes and putting things in place to tell us and instruct us how our industry should be run. That's what we need, in my view. We don't need people inside saying, this is what's wrong, this is how to fix it. Because it hasn't happened till now, so it's not going to happen if we keep carrying on arguing. Let's let 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 a third party sort it for us. And if people don't want to buy to that, bugger off. If they do, great. And then come enjoy the shows. I know as a fan, I've felt a bit. I've, I've felt sick at some of my favourites, uh, like David Starr, for example, mm-hmm. uh, uh, being outed. And uh, but as a promoter, how do you how did you feel when you heard all the allegations coming out by all these wrestlers and and some of the, because you probably signed some of them, like David Starr. Um, it's been rough, but I, des- I deserve no sympathy. Like, um, obviously, people that I had pretty good relationships with that I thought were friends that you find out have done things which are obviously horrible. Um, and it's that difficult thing where, like, publicly you 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 you're not going to say anything privately you'll have conversations with friends um about it to try to get over it but you know i don't deserve any sympathy for that because i'm not the one that's directly affected by this um if i'm selfishly the thing that that, that frustrates me the most is that i had six and a half years worth of shows music videos catalogs that i've put my heart and soul into and i can't watch some of that stuff back now um because of the individuals that are in it um and that that's hurtful for me but 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 like i said i'm 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 like the last in the queue you know as far as sympathy goes like it's affected me in terms of like okay i i feel shit i feel much worse for anyone that's been affected by it Mm. you know it's, it's not it's not because of that and you know i know we were joking about it earlier but you know i couldn't have sold it a better time because if i was still running a show right now and like think i mean i couldn't even imagine the 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 additional stuff i'd have to process right now i think it's good that the that um flash and 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 uh, ball can start with a clean slate but at the same time whilst we're talking about this i i do feel there's an economy of scale with some of this where i i feel like i'm and i this is going to sound, there's no easy way for me to try to express how I'm feeling with this, but in terms of there's that you've got some ends of the spectrum where people have done absolutely horrible things and rightfully should no longer be involved in wrestling. But then I've seen people that have been deemed as just as guilty using this hashtag for doing things that are not even doing direct things, but saying things or just being caught like, with a screenshot or a video or something mm. like those lines, but not actually done anything directly impacting somebody, but getting the same crime associated with them and therefore are done with wrestling. And I'm not saying I know how to fix that, but it feels like anybody that's been associated with the speaking out movement is effectively their career's done. And I'm not saying that it's wrong that any of these people should be put through the mill with this. But it feels like to me it's been trolled by social media for for anybody that's been branded with that speaking out tag. And as a result of that, there's people that are at the other end of the spectrum that have effectively lost their either their hobby or their livelihood. Um, where when we're 
and and this happened a, a couple of years ago for for other things where people that effectively and you know have been called out as either grooming or being effectively rapists are being called out in the same conversation of people that have been caught saying a thing on a video once mm. and everybody's in the same pot mm. i'm not saying that that they're not both guilty but it feels like there's economies of scale here mm. um so and i'm not saying that i don't and i'm not against speaking out at all i just yes. think that this is sometimes the dark side of social media where there is that dog pile element of it and as soon as and and you guys saw it when it was happening there was a good sort of four or five week period where it was like oh god what's happened today yeah like something else has come out the speaking out movement something else has come out the speaking out movement and it's all valid it's just i think the crime the punishment doesn't necessarily fit the crime with everybody and i'm not saying i know how to fix that but i'm saying a governing body might because I, th I think that there's penance to pay, but I don't believe that, but everybody seems to have got the same, the same um, uh, punishment as a result. So, so would you say that tw so arresting Twitter is a, a force for good or a, a force for negativity or in between somewhere? Wrestling Twitter is the best and worst thing to happen to wrestling. Mm. Um, yeah. When it's good, it's great. When, it, when it's bad, it's awful. Absolutely awful. Um, and you know, I've 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 had both ends of that. Um, I think most people have. And uh, we all feel safe when we're using our phone, and we can give an opinion. And that opinion to that one person alone might mean nothing. But when there's hundreds of those opinions, that's where the dog piling kicks in. Mm. And nobody really looks at that one. Uh, only it's only when it happens to you you see the impact of it. Um. So. It can be good. Right now, it's um, there's obviously been dogpiling with the speaking out movement, and there's been it started with negativity, but I truly believe that it will eventually breed a positivity at the end of it. Um, but I, at the same time, it's a necessary evil. I mean, the amount of people I've seen that said I'm only on Twitter because I need it for my career, and the fact is they do because it's a great marketing tool. Mm. But it's also one of those things where like. I've 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 run seminars with people about how how to run their social media accounts because the the thing with social media is and it, and this goes back to the love and the hate thing it takes you days weeks years to build up that audience and that love and that reputation and one thing to fuck it up oh sorry cock it up I don't know if I can swear on this yeah so as much as I like good good um and everyone's on tender hooks like. I don't believe you see anyone's true versions of themselves online because everybody's it's a popularity contest and I'm just as guilty I'm less guilty now because I don't care as much as I used to but even now I'm not always posting everything I truly feel because I know that that might result in differing opinions and the thing is anytime anybody posts an opinion you know someone's going to disagree with you so you know that tomorrow you're going to be the most unpopular you've ever been online because that person that disagreed with you yesterday still hates you today, but now you've disagreed with someone else. Yeah. And that's just the nature of it. But as soon as anybody starts posting any sort of opinion, you're, you're going to divide people. And you're, 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 I, I put a tweet out earlier talking about how much I love the AEW show. I'm sure people that hate AEW now hate me because I posted <laughs> an opinion on it. Um, yeah. and that, but that's the nature of it. It's that thing of um, if you glue, glue together a broken plate, you still see the cracks. And people always remember that. So. I try to take it with a pinch of salt now, but 
it, uh, you know, when I was running against chaos, it was like walking on eggshells every single day. It really was. And, you know, I've cocked up online before. And I think after that, um, that, that chaos father show, um, I put a, and, and like loads of people giving this crap for a day, or I had a graphic made for us that was a Marmite jar that said chaos on it. Ah, right, I just yeah, posted yeah, that. Like, it's a tongue in cheek joke. Yeah. Yeah. Tongue in cheek joke. The, I, the amount of people that gave me shit for that go, what, you're trying to say that opinions don't matter now? And like, stuff, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to have a laugh. Yeah. It's not real life. Yeah. It's, it's just like you either love or you hate us. That's literally what I was trying to say. But like, I get we're getting hate. Lols, here's a, here's a Marmite picture. No, we got absolutely <laughs> hammered for it. Oh, no. like, the, the worst one was when, so the worst one we had was when we um announced that we were doing a, um, we, we were the first company in the UK to have a proper code of conduct for disabled fans. Mm. like a um so we're, we're firm believers in that so we were doing um say free tickets for carers um we posted uh loads of information about all of our venues um how ticket structure prices would work we posted that online and, and that included things such as um and and this is standard regulatory guidelines about if, you, if you're asking for if you want a disabled ticket we need either like a pip or some sort of a blue badge or or evidence of it because to be honest people were taking the mic there were people that were saying that they were disabled, but they they were not. And we didn't think that was fair because we only had a limited number of disabled mm -hmm. tickets. We posted that online and we got a torrent of abuse for trying to suggest that people needed to prove they were disabled. Because that's that's the that is the line that the negative elements of Twitter towed, mm -hmm. which was not the case. And thankfully some other people that, that helped build that came mm -hmm. to defend us um, with that. But that's the nature of it because People will take a, if, if, if there's a take on something and you're friends with that person who takes that take, you'll support that person. And then within the space of about an hour, before I knew it, I was getting like hate hate messages on DMs saying like, you know, how dare you ask people like just to mm. prove they're disabled. That's not what we're doing. Mm. It's really mm. not like, please, please read what we put together. We, we put together a 10 page document explaining all of this in detail. We're doing this to try to make sure that people that are genuinely dis disabled are getting the, mm. the, 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 the correct number of tickets that they, they, we, we can offer them to ensure that, um, that they can get in and with yeah. carers at no extra cost. We're trying to do the right thing, but yeah, just, you know, that was probably one of the worst examples I can think of. So yeah, tw Twitter, the best and worst of us. Yeah. Remind me of remind me of that sketch in Elf Garnet when uh, he's in a wheelchair at West Ham and he jumps up when West Ham score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, lastly, what advice would you give to any aspiring promoters out there? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would I would say um, so if 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 you have got your heart set on being a promoter, number one, make sure you've got enough money. Okay. If you don't have enough money to pay people by the time you open the doors, do not run a wrestling show. Okay. Mainly because I will come after you because you know I will because I'm on Twitter now and I'll do that. <laughs> um, don't run a tournament on your first night. Nobody cares about you yet. Give them a reason to care about you. Um, what else? For God's sake, get insurance, get a paramedic. Again, if you can't afford all this, don't run. Wrestling on the cheap doesn't work. Invest in your product and people will invest in you um these are um, these are more salient points than i was expecting um what else would i say um look around your area okay if, if you're going to run somewhere ask yourself is there really a market for this if you're running somewhere where there's already five promotions on your doorstep do you mm. really need to run a promotion my final thing would be 
just because you think you know how to run wrestling, make sure you know how to run wrestling. So if you've never been on the other side of that curtain, if you've never been involved in training, if you've never set foot in a ring, if you and that doesn't mean wrestling, if you I mean if you haven't been a referee or an MC or been a light tech or any part of wrestling, you have no you shouldn't be a promoter yet. I know how to drive a car. I shouldn't run a garage. I like to drink coffee. I shouldn't run a coffee shop. I have been involved in wrestling for 12 years before I started my first show because I thought I got to the point where I knew as much as I could. And on my first day, I realized I knew sod all. And I still now know as much as I know. But if I was to work with another promoter who's been much bigger, much more successful, they're going to know shed loads more than I do. You learn with experience and you only get that experience by actually getting on the ground and seeing how it works. So don't run it cold. Really, truly understand this industry because it's not just a case of putting a ring in a hall, putting out a Facebook post and, and booking 12 of your favorite wrestlers. There's a hell of a lot more to it than that. And people need to learn that. I think a lot of fans don't realize what, what's involved in promoting delivery. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Uh... Yeah, it's um, my favorite part of the night is those 10 minutes after a show. Mm. Like when I can hear how, how happy you guys are. That's like the most happy I am each month. Yeah, and then you forget about the sixty odd hours you put in to get to that point. Yeah. There's so much effort, and and you know, no matter how hard you think you're gonna have to work, you have to work harder. Like every day, push, push, push. You have to push every single minute of every day, and if you're not prepared to do that, don't bother. Right. But just we said that was the last question. I've got one more question for you, Dave. Uh, just one quick one. Um, you say you love Dick Riley, but who loves him more? Yeah. You or your good lady wife? There is, there are a couple of videos where she's, uh, yeah, looking at him. That's the main reason we stopped wrestling, so I could uh, keep my marriage together. Because um, uh, that is the problem, um, where you know your your job is effectively employing lots of men wearing not lot lot a lot of clothes um, that are much fitter than you um, in a ring. So yeah, it's um, it was needed really. I had to shut it down, otherwise we'd only see my kids on the weekends. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, no, she, um, no, she loves Dick just as much as I do, but I get to see him more now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, on, on a personal note, though, Dave, as well, uh, since we've been doing this, you've you you've been giving us so much support and encouragement and help. Just want to thank you for that, mate, and we'll always appreciate that. No, no problem. Honestly, guys, like, um, I, you know, I say I'm a positive person. I believe negativity breeds negativity, mm-hmm. but positivity breeds positivity, and you guys have always been really positive about the scene, even when you haven't liked things you've done it in a positive way and <laughs> i really do respect and enjoy that and you're not just being positive for the sake of it it is genuinely helping the scene so no it's been a, it's been a pleasure thank you guys and more power to you and i hope you you keep doing this podcast for years to come oh thank fingers crossed we will thank you dave we appreciate all your time thanks tonight so thank no you problem. thanks thanks for watching or listening to our interview with dave it's an absolute pleasure chatting to him uh we just want to thank dave as well for taking giving us his time and uh, for being such a nice guy to us, if it wasn't for Dave, it would have made our Queen's Court a lot harder to do. So thanks for listening and uh, get ready for our interview with Kelly Six next week. <laughs>